Stu Greener, an elder here in the church family, is going to bring the word to us again this week. And uh, as we transition, I just want to say that it is not a time to lose heart right now for any of us, for all of us. It's not a time to give up and give in. It's not a time to settle for less than God's best. It's not a time to cash out too soon. Not a time to wave the white flag before your, your enemy, before your adversary. I've been thinking a lot of this time that promises always come with giants. Promises always come with giants. You will not inherit God's ordained promises in your life without war. It's impossible. And if you don't have the heart that's necessary to fight the good fight of faith, you will not inherit your promises. And I'm preaching to me, but I'm just feeling God knocking on my own door this morning saying, Joseph, you cannot relent. I need you feasting in the presence of your enemies. I need you more God conscious than enemy conscious right now, son. I'm trying to bring something forth that I've been telling you about for years and even decades. But I need your attention in this season. I need you more attentive to me than your enemy. For real. If the, if the enemy is raging over your promises, feast in his presence. Be still and know that he is God. Do not fret, do not worry, and do not relent. Stay conscious of God in this season. That's the, the deceitful scheming of Satan right now, is to get a hold of your attention and to get you just disconnected not attentive and losing heart, right? But there's a fight right now for many of us and for all of us in one way or another. Stay in the fight, stay in it together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, Stu, come on down. Bring us the word today. Yes. Uh, all kids, young, young kids, little kids, go downstairs this time. <laughs> Have autumn with us all the way from California. Huh? Took autumn to the university to make football games today. She informed us that she's a city of Chargers fans. And I think we won her over and she's going to start playing the game tonight. She saw some real East Coast football. She saw what East Coast football is all about. Um, all right, so I'm going to just dive in, and um, we've been talking about preparing for harvest, and today's topic is something very specific, it's really part two, it's on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay, um, I think you're nervous, hang in there, okay, all I'm going to do today is give you scripture with commentary, okay, I'm going to just be kind of teacherly, just going to give you scripture with commentary, all right, um, I, I want you to go to walk away from this today with some something to really ponder and, and meditate on. Um, we want to talk about the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So really walking in the fullness of what God has for you. And I guess I pose it that way to you. You know, wouldn't you want everything God says you can have? Wouldn't you want that? You know, I don't think any of us would consciously want to shortchange ourselves if God's saying, this is for you. Okay. And so I'm just going to endeavor to be faithful to the scriptures. All right? I'm not going to try to spin or twist on it. Okay? I'm just going to present the scripture. Um, I try to be comprehensive, but this is a broad topic, and you know it's much more discussion. Uh, last week we taught on it. You can listen to it. You can listen to it if you want to. Um, so we're just going to dive right in. Um, and 
I'm approaching this from the standpoint of I don't assume that everybody in the room thinks the same way about this. I'm being an elder in the house, okay? I'm being very pastoral. I'm, a, I'm not going to assume everybody in here thinks the same way. There's a lot of different schools of thought, but I'm going I'm to try to bring us all on the same page if we're not, okay? And again, listen to last week's, okay? Uh, I'll, from the on the front end, I'll tell you, my, my, my premise is that we, you, need the baptism in the Holy Spirit, ultimately, to live a victorious life in this wicked and depraved generation, and to go where God has taken us as his church, to go there boldly and courageously, in faith confidence and victory and to have something of substance to give to people who are really hurting or oppressed by the devil, possessed by the devil, bound. There are there's such the, the onslaught of the enemy has been so staggering in this hour. And we as the church are to have some to give to people, other than, I'm sorry, I'll pray for you. I hope you feel better. Oh, that's too bad. You know, God wants us to have something of substance to give to people. So that's why we're teaching this, that we have the power, have the power to minister life to the harvest. Okay? And so, let's just dive in. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some scriptural examples, and in that I'm going to just give you a little commentary. I see at least seven key benefits to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I very quickly touch on those today. Um, I'm sure there's more. I'm just giving you I'm just highlighting some big ones, and I'll highlight them as I as I go through the scriptures. In Acts chapter one. Beginning in the first verse, the first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after he had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Wow. <laughs> Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That word baptized in the concordance means to be fully immersed, submerged, fully wet, dipped repeatedly. It's the same word, it's baptizo, it's used for water baptism. So you saw how we water baptize people. We they fully immersed, okay? Identifying with the death the burial and the resurrection of Christ. We fully immerse people, fully wet. Well, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are being fully immersed in the Holy Spirit. Okay? And Jesus says, here's what's going to happen when this happens to you. In verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. That word power is dynamis or dunamis, okay? We, we, the derivative of that word, we, we, dynamite, okay? Explosive power. It literally means miraculous power, miraculous power, ability, abundance, might, working of miracles, strength, and mighty wonderful work. I pull those straight out of Strong's Concordance. So he's saying, you will receive this power, this ability, this efficiency, this might, and the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So what did it look like? What, you know, what was, this is clearly a, a, an experience. This is something that it, it has a, there, there's a moment where this happens, okay? But then there's a walking in it, okay? But when this happens, what happens? Well, we see it right in the next verse, the day of Pentecost. 
All right? And in, in, in chapter 2 of book, the book of Acts, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, uh, Amplified Bible says they began to speak in different foreign languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, going to say, on the day of Pentecost, and it's important to know this, on the day of Pentecost, they actually spoke in different languages of the planet Earth. Okay? They actually spoke in different languages, foreign languages of the planet Earth. Now, this does happen, okay? I mean, I, I, I've seen it happen. There's a girl who didn't know Italian at the Bible college I attended, or the university, like in a chapel service, was praying out perfect Italian. That's pretty wild. Um, but um, they were speaking different languages of earth. And Bible scholars, if you want to read on this, really believe that what God was doing here was reversing what he had done at the Tower of Babel about that in Genesis 11. In Babel, he, God came down and saw that all the people were one language. They're like, we're going to build a tower to the sky, build this big city unto ourselves, to our honor and glory. God says, if they, they are one, and if they have purpose to do this, nothing is going to be impossible. I'm going to step in. And God confused their language. They couldn't understand each other. That's why they built Babel. And so they spread out. They're like, well, hang out anymore, I can't even understand you, bro. And so, they all went their separate ways, and this this is kind of how, this is kind of the beginnings of separate nations, and um, so God scattered the nations by confusing their language. And it was here on Pentecost, he actually united the language again, he united the church in the power of the Spirit, okay, where there's purity, and where, and so that God's kingdom would go forth, he united the church to go out into all the nations of the world. So, in this particular instance, they were actually speaking languages of earth, okay? I, I, I told you, I'm going to read the Bible. What does it mean when people babble something that appears to be just gibberish and it's not a language of earth? We'll get to that. Okay? But Peter stands up, and if you go in verse 14, and Peter stands up, and it says, he, Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, because people saw this, and they're like, let me just back up. People saw this, and they were like, whoa, we see people, there's 120 in this upper room all praying in foreign languages, and there are God-fearing people from all around the earth in Jerusalem, and they're saying, we hear our language being proclaimed. We're hearing the praises of God being proclaimed in our language by people who don't know our language. What's going on? And some people were astounded. Others were mocking them, saying they're drunk. And so Peter stands up and says, it says, He raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give heed to my words. These men are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. This is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days, God says, I will pour forth my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall see dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Um, so here's the first key that I see, the key benefit to the baptism of the Holy Spirit is boldness. Okay, see Peter stands up and boldly proclaims, he goes on to preach the gospel beautifully. Okay, and if you're in our first principle series, we actually use this account to show this is what a rendering of the gospel really is. He preaches the gospel message, okay? And so, boldness is an immediate fruit of this. Boldness is immediate. Um, Peter boldly proclaims the gospel, and this is a man, let's remember, that just days earlier had denied even knowing Jesus out of fear, for fear of his life. Okay? And here he is, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's boldly proclaiming the gospel. Okay? It, it goes on in verse 37. It says, When the people heard Peter's proclamation, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent 
and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, that's water baptized, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's saying you will receive what we've received. And he goes on to say, for the promise, this promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Now, it doesn't take a biblical scholar to realize he's talking about down through the generations there. So much for God doesn't do this anymore. Okay? Right there. This is for you, your children, and all who God's going to call. End of story. Okay? We just have to confront some really, you know, some, some bad thinking in the church. Because it's led to powerlessness. And wouldn't the enemy love it if we're powerless in the church? If we're ineffective. And see, this is my our second key to the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's effectiveness. Boldness and effectiveness. So you can be bold and be talking nonsense. You can be bold and be branded a fool. But if you're bold and you're speaking the truth, and you're speaking it with anointing and unction, and it's hitting the mark, that's effective. And you know what? What Peter had to say in his words hit the mark. They were effective. It says the people, they were deeply impacted by Peter's words. All right? Pierced to the heart. Stung or cut to the heart. The, the word carried great power and authority. So effectiveness is the second key. So effective that 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay? There we go. All right. Continuing. All right. The third key is the demonstration of the power of God to heal and deliver. If you just flip over to the next chapter, I'm literally just pulling this out of the text. In Acts chapter 3, shortly after the day of Pentecost, it says Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who'd been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. Look at us. He says, Look, upon, look at us. This is very bold. And it's very effective. And see, now you're about to see the demonstration of the kingdom that comes from the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Peter could only say this because he knew he had something to give this man. And he says, he says The man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I don't possess silver and gold. By the way, that's not a statement that God wants you for necessarily. He wasn't making a theological statement about having no money. He's just saying, I don't have any cash on me right now. Okay? These men were just real men like you and me. He just said, I don't have cash on me right now, but I have something else. Okay? I have something else. It says, um, I don't have silver and gold right now, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of or in the use of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. You know, when we pray in the name of Jesus, like we did over West today, understand what we're doing. We're praying in the authority of the name of Jesus. It's not like some magic thing. We're using, we are praying in the use of the name of Jesus, in that authority. We're extending the scepter of the king and speaking the word of the Lord and declaring it with authority that's been given us. Side note, not a side note. You, you catch that. But see, this was done only in the boldness that was provided Okay, to Peter and to these apostles through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were not, this, this, this is a whole new level of life that they had entered into. Okay, a whole new dimension of kingdom living. All right? And so the demonstration of the power of God to heal and deliver, we need this. Because people are going to come through these doors who've been to every doctor, okay, who've been to every psychiatrist who maybe have been in the hospital for, the, for emotional needs, okay, who are, who are just distraught, 
life has kicked them around, broken relationships, okay, broken thinking, and God's going to say, here they come, here they are. Minister to them, minister life to them, okay? And it's going to take more than just empathy. Empathy's a good thing. I feel for you, man. Yeah, I really feel for you. That's empathy. I hear what you're saying. I can feel it. And that's, that's, that's part of compassion. But you know what it says? Jesus had compassion on them and healed them. Compassion isn't just, I feel sorry for you, kid. Compassion is, I have something to give you. We're going we're gonna to pray and we're going to see this thing through. And we're not going to stop. And if, it does, if we don't see the manifestation of it right now, we're not going to be dissuaded by that. We're not going to relent. See, that's the game of the enemy. He, he's like, okay, well, I'll, I'll press harder. You know? and, and then we're, oh, I guess it didn't work. No, that's not time to relent. That's time to push harder. You see? This is, this is, if you've ever battled for your health, for example, there are times you just have to stand. I know what I feel. I know what I see. But I know what the promise of God is, and I'm standing on that. Sometimes you just got to do a, have a good old-fashioned, you know, battles. I'm not moving. Something's moving, and it ain't me, and this is going. This is leaving. I'm not being moved. This thing is going to move. It cannot stay. And see, we got to get some divine guts about us. Some divine amats. We get, you know, we get wimpy sometimes. And this is what the enemy wants. He wants you isolated, alienated, hanging out at home, feeling wimpy. But I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just don't know how to handle this. I'm not making fun of anybody. I've done it. This is crazy. I'm going to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to stand together. You see what happens? See? This is why you don't, don't be isolated in this matter. That's called being a sitting duck. The devil loves you. Yes. Hits you off. His number one thing is get you offended at the church. My last church wasn't perfect. I know I'm being bold. Welcome to the real world, folks. Show me the perfect church that met all your needs. Show it to me. Show me a pastor who never let you down. We are flesh and blood from the beginning. Sons and daughters of God. And we get to walk this journey out together and experience what it's like to live this supernatural adventure. The only thing that can stop you is if you isolate yourself. No, I didn't even tend to say that. Come on. I don't know where that, well, it's coming from God, so this, I, you know, I, I don't know. You know, if it's for you, take it. Um, all right. So, um, the fourth thing. The fourth thing. So, they do this healing, and and immediately, the same Hebrew. That's not God. God doesn't do that. You this. God doesn't do that anymore. You might even, you might even hear... You, you can go in certain circles, and they will take a message like this and denounce it today. So that, that's not God. He was preaching under the influence of the devil. Baptism, oh, no, no don't, don't go near that. Get away from that. You know, look, so the Sanhedrin's like, that's not, you know, who, who, you know, how did you do this? Okay, so this is our fourth key. The power to overcome persecution. The power to overcome the works of the enemy. Persecution. The threats of the enemy. We see this in Acts 4. The Sanhedrin threatens Peter and John. Says, don't do that again. Don't speak that name anymore. Don't speak that name anymore. And so, it's uh, in Acts 4. In Acts 4. Um, it says, yeah, the next day the rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there. And Caiaphas... And all the high priestly descent. Uh, when they, they placed Peter and John in the center, imagine how intimidating that might have been. Well, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, here we go, filled with the Holy Spirit, fully saturated with the Holy Spirit, 
Now, he wasn't standing there speaking in tongues, but he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So there's a place you live in when you are saturated in the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, you're given tremendous boldness and wisdom to speak the truth. Said to the rulers and elders of the people, and he goes on to address this. Okay? He says, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the, the builders by which uh, became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Okay? Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated, untrained men, not, not educated in the schools of their day, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. Wow. There's that boldness factor, okay? And so they go on, and it says they threatened Peter and John. They threatened them. And when they summoned them, this is verse 18 uh, of chapter 4, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus, but Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. They were not just respectful to authorities here, but they said very plainly, We will obey God. We will obey God. So we don't believe in disrespecting, you know, authorities, high-ranking officials, government authorities. You know, let's not go there, all right? And that applies right here in the good old U.S. of A., Right? Pray for your leaders. But so we're going to obey God. In this case, not you. Okay? And when they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on account of the people, because they were all glorifying God for what happened. This man was over 40 years old. Okay? So when they had been released, they went to their own company, their own people. Peter and John go back to the disciples. Okay? And report, reported to them all that the chief priests and elders had said. And when they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. And said, oh God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea. And they, they, they pray. They pray. Okay, and down to verse 29. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and do signs and wonders take, to take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's a fourth benefit, the power to overcome persecution. And you can, they, they, they came together in the midst of intimidation and persecution, and they prayed. And it says when they prayed, it was again a mighty wave of the Holy Spirit in that room. Built overflowing, and the fruit of that is they went forth in boldness. And you can see the, these accounts in more than one place in the book of Acts. You see it with Stephen, okay, who it says he was full of the Holy Spirit and he spoke with great wisdom. And in the face of what would become his killers who stoned him to death, okay, he spoke the truth, the word of God with boldness. And it says he full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up into heaven and saw the Son of Man standing right hand. That's when they gnashed their teeth and came out of the stone and killed them. So, understand that the fullness of the Holy Spirit will give you the power even to overcome persecution. Even unto martyr. Okay? Very, very important. Okay? Alright. Um, now, we're all doing good here? You may be wondering what specifically happens at the moment one is baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, we have encounters coming in October, and we do a whole session on this, and we invite people to come if they want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we get results because God's the presence. God does the work. We're just, we're just being obedient. God does the work. But, you see, how, so, so what does it look like specifically? Okay, I told you in Acts 2 they spoke language, other languages of earth. 
Okay? There's a couple more accounts here, and I, I don't have time to read them in depth, but in Acts chapter 10, okay, says that uh, Peter ended up, long, long story short, in the household of a Gentile named Cornelius, an Italian, preaching the gospel to his family and friends. And this, on, in the, on this particular day, the, the, the gospel was opened up, the way to salvation was opened up to the Gentile world. And um, it says that Peter was at Cornelius' house preaching to him. And it says that while Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on those who were listening to the message. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And what was the mark of that? The outflowing of it. It says in verse 46, they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And the Amplified here says they heard them talking in unknown tongues, unknown languages. That was a little different than Acts 2, where it says they spoke foreign languages. Okay? So we see that in Cornelius' household. We see this again in Acts 19, where Paul is in Ephesus, and he, Paul, Paul is in Ephesus, um, and he walks up to some disciples he finds there, and he asks them an interesting question. They're all ready for believers in Christ. But he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So see, God's very serious about this. I wouldn't view this as like something, take it or leave it, maybe I want this, maybe I don't. You need to get serious about this and really take a hard look at these scriptures. If this, in your mind and estimation, is just, yeah, I know about it, but the jury's Well, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul's just very point blank about it. He's like, and they said, uh, we don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. It's a little bit humorous. Uh, what are you talking about, sir? We don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. And it, Paul says, well, okay, in, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So Paul says, John baptized, this is with water, with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. When they heard this, Paul rebaptized them. He rebaptized them with water. And, and then, after he rebaptized them with water, Paul went and laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. It says, the Amplified Bible, they began speaking in unknown tongues and languages. Okay? So, in Acts 2, it speaks of languages of the earth. In these two accounts, it speaks of um, foreign unknown tongues. So, when one speaks in tongues, they may be speaking in a language of earth, as we see in Acts 2, all right, where they began to speak in different foreign languages. Tongues as the Spirit gave them clear and loud expression, it says, in appropriate words. Or they may be speaking in unknown tongues, as we saw in a couple of these other accounts. Now, Paul addresses this when he speaks to the Corinthian church. And we know this is the love chapter. It's read in a lot. It was read, actually, at my nephew's wedding last week. Last week. The love chapter. And but you can get a lot. Paul speaks a lot about tongues to the Corinthian church because he's talking to them about the responsible use of it. Basically, he's like, you know, if you all just walk into the church and what if you all wait to have your tongues, people aren't going to do what you're saying. There's a time and place. We'll get to that. But... He's saying here um, in in 1 Corinthians 13. Hold on, I turn to Romans 13. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak with the tongues of men, men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So right there he's saying there's tongues of men and there's tongues of angels. So a person could be praying in tongues and, and they may not be praying a language of heaven. They may be praying a language of heaven. A language of angels. Sounds really mystical, really supernatural. Exactly. This is a supernatural life. This is demonstration. Okay? Alright? It's not weirdness. It's just weird to human thinking, to, 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 to natural thinking. But you may be praying a tongue of angels, a tongue of heaven. Okay? And 
So Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 14. I've got three more here quickly. He, he gives us what I see as a fifth key to why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit and its personal revival and edification. Ultimately, each one of us is responsible for ourselves. Okay? Uh, you, you can't give what you don't have to give. You know, if I let myself get beat down and put into a, a corner by Satan and whipped and defeated, I'm not going to have much to give. You, okay, I'm going to want to shrink back and avoid avoid interaction. And you know, so 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 Paul speaks pretty clearly here. He's talking about the responsible use of it in the church, but. In 1 Corinthians 14, given a good solid read, you see a lot woven in here, and Paul even talks about his own personal life, his own personal experience with baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he goes on, and I'm not, I'm not going to dissect this whole chapter, so I'm giving it an overview. But he says in verse 2, One who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. So let me say, in a public gathering, is it ever, is it ever appropriate to speak in tongues? Yes, if we're all praying and we're talking to God. Okay? I mean, like a prayer furnace? Yeah. Okay? It depends on the, pur it depends on the purpose of the God. Okay? Um, other, okay? He says, because he, he says very clearly, when you speak in a tongue, you're talking to God. Okay? No one understands, but, you, but your spirit is speaking mysteries. And he goes on to talk about the, the importance of prophecy. And he, in verse 4 he says, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. So, when you speak in a tongue, in, a, in an unknown tongue, when you speak in a, in a prayer language, as we call it, it edifies you. That word there means it builds you up like building a house. House built. That word means house built. It builds you up like building a house. So there is a very real personal edification that takes place when you pray in the spirit, okay, and scripturally, I would, I would, I would state that that, that that would be praying in tongues, okay. And he goes on to say in verse fourteen, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. I, I don't know what I'm saying. So what's the outcome then? He says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray with my spirit in tongues, and I'm going to pray with my mind in my native tongue, in my native language. And I will sing with my spirit. I will sing in tongues. And I will sing with my mind. I will sing in my native language. Words that we can all understand. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say amen to your giving of thanks? Now he's talking about what's going on in a public gathering, in a gathering of the church. How will he say amen to what you're saying since he doesn't know what you're saying? So if I stand up here and babble in tongues, that's useless to you. You don't know what I'm saying. So that's why he's saying that if you're going to now venture into the realm of the spiritual gifts, he says, okay, if you're going to speak in tongues in the church, pray that you can interpret. Okay. And so he goes on to say, for if you're giving thanks well enough, but the other person, the other person's not edified. And then he says this: I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Interesting. And that if you go to the Amplified, there he's saying I speak in strange tongues more than any of you. Because he's saying I, I I pray in tongues a lot. A lot, like more than all of you. He said, "This is like a lifestyle for me." So you can picture Paul leaving, making tents. How would he do? He just pray, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in the tongues of men, praying in the tongues of angels, praying in tongues a lot by his own account. But he says, in the church, he says, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind that you can understand. That will instruct you, instruct others, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Okay? So, again, is it ever appropriate to pray in tongues in church? It depends on the purpose of the moment. If we're praying like we were around West, yes, we're talking to God. You don't need to know what I'm saying. We're, ta we're talking to God. Okay? But if we're, now it's time for us, for the, for if now it's time for the communication not to be, uh, get my vertical horizontal. Vertical, and now it's time for the communication to be horizontal. It's not appropriate. You need to know what I'm saying, and I need to know yours. We need to edify each other. When I pray tongues, I'm being edified. 
because the Holy Ghost is speaking through me mysteries unto God. When I speak to you, you're being edified. You see? So in body life, when we come together, you know, there are times where it's just like, okay, we're not going to do that right now. <laughs> this is time for us to, to, to speak. You all, you all get that? All right? You get that? All right. I know there's different schools of thought on this. I'm just giving you scripture. Okay? You can take it home and ponder it. But, um, all right, yeah. So, um, personal edification, personal drive. Like about a year ago, I, uh, I, I sought out uh, Wesley's sister Lydia to pray with me. Um, yeah, I just had, just, I just was, it was just an area where I was just feeling in my mind the accusation of the evidence coming at me. And uh, you know, she, she prayed with me. And uh, I said to her, you know, praying in the spirit constantly. She says, and, and then she prayed with me, and I really felt like very easy. It just lifted. I really felt different. And there was evidence of it in the days following. And she said to me, that probably lifted off of you so quickly because you were prepared to have to talk to the Spirit. So when you pray in the Spirit like that, you're preparing the ground to talk. And that's probably why it just it was already loosened. It was like something that just needed to be upwarded. But if you're not praying in the spirit, this is not a practice for you. If you just like take it or leave it, some of those oppressions they go loose, they go down deep, they don't want to leave. They're stubborn, and that's where it becomes you know, some of those sessions that you get pretty wise. So uh, I would urge you consider <coughs> making this part of your daily practice. Praying in the spirit. Access what is what you have. You know, say, well, I don't feel anything. I don't feel anointed. You don't have to feel anything. We walk by faith, not by sight, folks. We walk by faith. We walk and stir it up. Stir up what's in you. Fan into the flame what's in you. Fan into the flame what's in you. Okay? Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Okay? Um, yes, feelings will follow. Joy comes in the morning. Okay. But, but there's a time you just have to. All right, I'm just going to be praying in the spirit. I'm almost done now. My last two. Okay. The sixth key I see is power to love and bless and encourage one another in the Lord. The power to love each other well as brothers and sisters in Christ. The power to love each other well. The power to bless one another. The power to really encourage one another. It says in Jude, all right? Jude, it's an interesting little book. Jude said, Jude say, he's talking about people that cause divisions in the church. He says, I told you beforehand, in the last days, there will be scoffers who seek to gratify their own unholy desires, following after their own ungodly passions. It is these who are agitators, setting up distinctions and causing divisions, merely sensual creatures carnal, worldly-minded people, devoid of the Holy Spirit and destitute of any higher spiritual life. They're in the church to cause, up, to cause trouble, to stir up strife. And he says, so how are we going to handle this? He says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit, and guard and keep yourselves in the love of God. Okay? So right there, saying, pray in the Holy Spirit. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. When you do that, you are literally building yourself up like an edifice, it says. Like building a house. You're building the structure. You're building yourself up, and that, in turn, that's going to affect everyone around us. That's going to give you the power to look for us to love each other well, for us to speak into each other's life to bless and encourage one another. Uh, it was, again, in Ephesians we see it. In Ephesians 5, okay? I won't stretch you a little here. Talk about John. I'm going to keep saying that. 
really am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to an abrupt end here. In Ephesians 5, in Ephesians 5, 18 to 21, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but ever be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Interesting, he's comparing being filled with the Holy Spirit to being drunk with wine. There is a very real stimulation, a very real effect. In fact, in Acts 2, they're looking at them saying, look at them, they're all drunk. Okay? So, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an effect on you. Okay? And it's even been compared to, to wow, you know how you, you the person gets drunk and all of a sudden they, they can hug a tree and they love everybody or they'll cry easily and they'll empathize with you. I hear you, man. And they're just and they're just so free with their words and all the stuff they've been holding in, they just let it out. They suddenly seem to come into the, into the, let things out into the light. Well, he's saying, well, you don't need wine for that, folks, okay? He fills the Holy Spirit. And you live in the light. Live in the light. And he goes on to say, what's the purpose of that? He goes right on the very next verse. Speak out to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise with voices, with all your hearts to the Lord. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay? It's unto loving one another well. And the very last thing today, I told you, I'm just about done. Being baptized the Holy Spirit allows you to pray the will of God in every situation. Listen, nobody's batting a thousand speaking in their native language. Okay? I mean, unless you unless unless you, you unless you've got some special revelation that I don't have, it must be nice to be you. There's times I just don't know what to pray. There's times I'm just like, I don't know what to say. I'm just sitting here and I have nothing coming to mind. So I'm just sitting here in the silence and just wait for God. But so it praying praying in English, praying, that's limited at times. There are times you don't know what to pray. But you can pray the will of God every single time. When you begin praying in the Holy Spirit, as we read in 1 Corinthians, it says, One who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters secret truths and hidden things not obvious to the understanding. And so when you pray in the Spirit, when you, when you go to prayer and you pray in the Spirit, you can hit the mark every single time because the Holy Spirit never prays anything that's contrary to the will of God. You're praying mysteries unto God. Now when you pray, you may begin to get an impression of, oh, this is what I'm praying. This is what God's speaking. Okay, and then you might shift over into English and begin to, and begin to declare and decree. Right. But you see where it came from. It started in here, out of your belly. Okay? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying the perfect prayer. Okay? Romans says we often don't know what to pray or say, but the Holy Spirit will always pray the will of God in every situation. He prays with groans too deep for utterance. Okay? I mean, Romans says it. We don't know what to, how to pray as we are. The Holy Spirit does. And so I said all that to say today, we really, really need this. We need desperately. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you know your well runs dry because it's just like I just don't practice this very much. I urge you, you know, be like Paul. <laughs> Pray in tongues more than you are. Begin making this part of your daily practice. Okay, you don't have to necessarily do this loudly. I, I walked through the halls of Bangor High School praying in tongues, and nobody knows what I'm doing. What am I doing? I'm being God conscious. In a hallway that's filled with kids who are hurting, demon possessed, some of them, confused, sexually confused, about <laughs> their gender identity, all kinds of stuff. Hey, trying to stay focused. See? God wants us on point. How can we be on point? Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. You have a huge advantage. Huge advantage. Alright? So, and if you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, because it's just like, well, that doesn't feel like me. 
urge you to reconsider. You need this. I've given you nothing but the scripture tonight. Nothing but scripture. I find it very hard to refute any of this. So that means you really got to take a good hard look at this. And seek one of us out. We won't pray with you. We have encounter coming up next month. Come to encounter. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for someone to lay hands on you, but I urge you to seek one of us out. We want to talk more about this. And uh, we want to pray. Okay? Alright? Amen? Can I have to be really practical today? I think that's okay. Alright. Alright. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fullness of the Holy Spirit that you've given to us, that you've made available to us. Lord, may we, I pray just in our hearts that we will choose not to be wise in our own eyes, but to just humble ourselves before you. We just acknowledge you and we believe all that you have for us. And so, Lord, today, give us a big yes in our spirit to say yes to all that you have for us, and the very fullness of it, and we might. Walk effectively in your own sons and daughters. We might be prepared for the harvest. Be ready for to, in every situation, in every situation, be ready to give an account to minister life. 